awesome. I want to find out like how to build this in my office. Huh? I didn't want to build this just in my yeah, office. Yeah, get one of these things. No, but he's, he means oh, the, this whole, whole the whole studio. Yeah, studio. I would love that. I mean, we do so much stuff in a recording studio now. We just started it in here a couple months ago now, and the quality is... It's, it's, I know. My quality well, and, now, and now our video quality is And we're insane. getting good distribution. It's, it's The problem is it would get better because all the comments are like, you have all that fancy equipment, and your fucking audio sucks. Yeah. Right, yeah, and exactly. Like, That's, and the thing is, you know what? People will forgive bad video. They will not forgive bad audio. We yeah. get so many comments about yeah, yeah, bad yeah. audio. Yeah, yeah, Because they want to listen to it. That, let's start. We're, we are we're, starting. Yeah. We're, we're talking. What this is it? I don't know. He, he listen, I came to, yeah. I, listen, oh, okay. I came to hang out good. with you guys. <laughs> That's all I came right, to. Right. That's all I came yeah. to hang out. Uh, he gave us whiskey. We don't have whiskey to offer him. That's a good thing. This I think it was a little bit later in the yeah, day. Yeah, 10 a.m. is a little aggressive for whiskey. Heidi wants to know how your first fire walk was, Nick. Nick did a fire walk at Unleashed the Power Within this past week. Wait, a fire walk is like you walk on fire? You walk on coals. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. First of all, I heard... We, am I allowed to curse? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. We encourage it. Why the fuck would you walk on hot coals? The the real answer is because other people were doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So you knew it was good. It was so on the way to walk good. off a bridge. All right. Uh, <laughs> I was at Tony Robbins' Unleash the Power Within, and one of the exercises is to break through your fears. They put hot coals at 1,200 degrees uh, yeah. on this uh, surface, and you, you walk on them. Yeah, but, like, all right, all right, back up for a second. Like, so you're walking on hot coals. Like, my whole thing was, like, do you remember, I'm going to age myself for everybody, whoever's listening besides us. Do you remember Romancing the Stone? Yes. <laughs> like, when Danny DeVito walked over the hot coals. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Like, I, even then I was thinking, like, this guy, like, if that was real, you have blisters, like, all over your feet. I didn't blisters. get one blister. But how, how? Like, mental, I'm sorry, but... I can't see how a mental, like, your mental capacity can allow your feet to go There's through those science. type of things. There is science. Yeah, I mean, the heat look. does not actually transfer very well from coal to your feet. Well, also, okay, if that you, makes sense. It's still hot. I, by the way, the reason why I really never thought it through fully is because I don't intend to fucking do it. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever been in a position where I'm able to Honestly, do it. I wasn't. There's some things, as Ari has seen, that mm-hmm. I really get scared about where I cry. All right. This was not one of them. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, was it at the bank? <laughs> where, what, where I go, go no, it was the... actually on a jump tower at Fort Bragg. He, okay, 30, that... 33 feet is, is Nick's dead zone. <laughs> that, that, that definitely sounds like a... It took, it took no, a, I'm out. took some uh, out. green braids to, to toss me out of You're the... You're talking to the wrong guy. I'm happy I cross the street sometimes, <laughs> personally. Um, no, this wasn't that scary. I mean, some people were freaking out, but when, when, they, when you have 9,000 people all doing it, and he's told you that there's been 2 million people he's had do it, it kind of... Cuts down a little anxiety. So did it hurt? Not at all. And what, like, did you feel invigorated by it? Or was it honestly, just like, all right, o- Honestly. That, that, it doesn't do it for Nick. It didn't really do it for me. All I wasn't, right. was it, I mean, they, they, they were really, like, getting you to, like, you have to put your eyes up. So you have to look up. And then you have to, like, pump yourself up. So you have to, like, scream like a ooh-ah and, like, hit <laughs> oh. your chest. Oh, man. <laughs> ooh-ah. And how was your ooh-ah? Uh, I didn't do it. They're just like, do your ooh and I just started walking. <laughs> Hold this. Hold my venti. Right. I'll yeah. be right back. The, the only people, so um, it made the news, what was it, last year? Yeah. Like 20 people, 20 people were hospitalized because of the blisters, like first it's or second. Bullshit. Okay. It was total bullshit. And yeah. apparently they were out of state, but really the thing is they were on like Facebook Live. And they weren't walking fast enough. They were like just like yeah, strolling. They're trying through. to like take selfies. You, yeah, you can't yeah, stop yeah, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Excuse me. Oh, oh, maybe shit. it sounds like I common sense, walking. but basically you just yeah. have to fucking keep walking. No, no, that sounds like a hot. That's, <laughs> so, that's a great idea. As long as you like Brilliant. walk at like a normal speed, you're you're fine. Yeah. And when you get to the end, they like spray water on your feet to make sure there's no lingering hot coals on All your right. feet. It's All actually right. Tony's tears that they're spraying on your feet. Yeah. But does he like? Is he hanging out with you like through the process, or it's like no. I mean, he has his. That's like, like super key. expensive, right? The, to do to go to BW. his. Yeah, the the starting tickets are like nine hundred for like the cheapest, and yeah. I think th- I think that if you want to sit right in front of Tony, it's, it's like grand. seven grand oh, or yeah. something. Wait, who is doing a Facebook Live? Was that you that was doing a Facebook yeah. Live? Was that from his? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was just there. Uh, I just got back yesterday. Okay, so so I call it the, the. They're really good, like it's really good content. Yeah. yeah. So like I, I it's an investment really. 
By the way, we're talking in studio right now with Jason Salzman. We should probably introduce you at this <laughs> yeah. point. Welcome to the Leverage Podcast, <laughs> yeah, guys. The Leverage Podcast. I, just oh, I didn't, didn't see you there, guys. Um, so we are on Facebook Live right now. If you're not watching this live or listening to this live, and you can head over to Facebook to get leverage to get leverage page and see this video, which is really cool because we're using this awesome Mevo camera. And Jason, uh, besides being the founder of the Alley, which was the largest co-working space in the city at one point. Mm. And is, I think, one of the cooler ones, honestly. You're an accomplished entrepreneur yourself, right? So how did you kind of get into this space and get started? I'm like a sadist. I don't know. Yeah. I, I hate think myself. We all are, aren't we? I, deep down, I hate myself. It's like everybody's got this cool story of how they became an entrepreneur, I feel like. Because I, I love talking to people and I obviously doing what I do and housing all these people that run businesses. Um, I get to interact with so many different people. And, and everybody's got like this... Oh, yeah, I was like an investment banker and like I figured this whole thing out where I can make money and it's fucking awesome. And I'm like, I don't have a story like that. Like I, I kind of just really <laughs> fell into it. I was horrible at school. You know, it was really. Where'd you I, grow up? So I grew up in Long Island, you know, in New York. Um, hence my Long Island accent that will come out. Well, I promise I'll try not to where sound like where an Where in Long Island? Massapequa. Oh, okay. Home of Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. My mother actually w- uh, came, uh, went to high school with him. Claim to fame. Mm. Um, and Joey Buttafuoco, <laughs> which if you remember, I don't know if anybody remembers Joey Buttafuoco. Of course, Amy and Joey. Yeah. Amy and Joey, you know, um, and the Baldwins, you know, so. Oh. But yeah, I, I grew up uh, and I just, I fucking hated school. I think that's what did it, you know, I think that's really what triggered it. And when I was younger, I'd sell like candy in elementary school and like I kind of, I just really loved making money. You know, and I love that freedom of being able because my parents came from like a like a a very middle class, modest family. And my mother was divorced with my father. We didn't have a lot of money to like, you know, get all the shit that everybody else had because Massapequa is a funny place because you have one side of Massapequa that's like on the water and you have all these rich kids driving BMWs (laughs) when they're 16. And you have the other side where it's like the other side of the tracks. I feel like I'm talking about like the outsiders. Those are the, the ones other that side buy the, the drugs tracks. from the ones that sell the, right, the right, right, right. BMWs. Right. Well, I was selling candy. Going back <laughs> to my candy story, yeah. you know, but um, <laughs> but like I, I always wanted. It made me. It grew up, you know, with this want of like having these things, and I never really had the means, so I had to kind of make it on my own, and that's kind of like what drove me. But school sucked. I, I could. I still to this day, and I get it. For a lot of different industries, you know, to be a doctor, you have to have that skill set. But for me, it was like, you're going to ask me to do work and you're not going to pay me? <laughs> it just sounded crazy, you know? I'd rather get paid. And there were options. So I got thrusted into this life and I just never left. So did, did you go to college? I sort of went to college, you know, in and out. I, I went, I, I like to draw. So I went to FIT because SVA was super expensive, mm-hmm. and the same teachers taught it at, at FIT. So I took fine arts at FIT, so I could draw a hell of a bowl of fruit. That's basically <laughs> about it. If you just stand, if it, it remains perfectly still, I could draw a hell of a bowl of fruit. But um, yeah, I just, I just, it just wasn't for me. So after FIT, what? What what were some of the projects you were working on? How did you get to where you're at now? So um, I had. I had a girlfriend at the time, a typical Jappy Long Island girlfriend who wanted everything, you know, <laughs> and um, I didn't have money. I didn't have money. And her brother was like one of these guys who was 24 years old. He drove a Ferrari and a Hummer, and um, he looked like Ben Affleck in Boiler Room. It was weird because he had a Boiler Room, and he looked like Ben Affleck from Boiler Room. Um, and he... Any, I don't know if this was bullshit to this day, but I like to think like I was somebody special that he like picked up on, because he probably just wanted people to like sell shit for him. <laughs> but he was he he made me feel um, that he picked up on that I kind of had this really great communication skill set at a young age that he can hone in, and I could you know work in his call centers and um, and sell shit. Um, and at the time, it was all about stocks. You know, all these guys are making like three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year plus. I mean, that movie Boiler Room was it was it was glorified and everything. Oh, yeah. It was accurate. You know, yeah. th- these are these are people that I knew. But the market just tanked. And how old were you at the time? I was about seventeen, eighteen years old. Oh, okay. You know, so it's like right after high school. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was like the tail end of high school because I was cutting class to like learn the chops of like calling people. Uh-huh. Um, and I wasn't afraid, 
You know, I, I wasn't afraid to get on the phone. I, I, I sounded, I realized that, yeah, I'm talking to older people, but over the phone, nobody knew who I was. In person, I was like this little r- rat, you know, <laughs> but like I, I get on the phone and I could be anybody. From that, I escalated the, the conversation because I didn't, I hated selling shit to people. I hated being in a room. And this is back in the day. Boiler rooms really existed. And people were like smoking cigarettes. The room would be filled in. If you weren't on the phone, shit would like fly across and the managers like hit you in the head with like an inanimate object. (laughs) And this was real. And like I hated that. So I kind of like – I have this like survival instinct. Like if I hate something, like it's kind of like I got to steer away from it. But what's the opportunity? Um, And the internet started to be really an obvious place where um, people were going to get information. You know, at the time it was like just starting out where people were doing a lot of research about different companies. Um, and I saw that this his firm was buying a shit ton of leads. They were aggregate, and, and there were these data aggregates that were out there that didn't really know what the fuck, they were just throwing up these landing pages. I was like, yeah. I could do that. Um, so, so I started a marketing agency um, fueling these call centers. And I did that for a really long time, you know, in multiple verticals. And um, some were super aggressive. Um, I've been I've gone through several different trials and tribulations um, with the U.S. government with vertical. I heard the term vertical liability for the first time, like uh, 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 an office doing uh, selling something improperly. And just because I aggregated the data in the first place, I'm a little bit responsible. I did just a bunch of shit. Back then, uh, how did you drive traffic to collect the email addresses before Facebook or before really like SEO existed? There was black hat SEO. Mm-hmm. It was all aggregated based on keywords. Everything was keyword related and it wasn't relevant data. It was all as many times as you could put this word up, your site would pop up. So it was, right. it was squeeze pages. Gotcha. That's it. So I own, I still own probably close to 10,000 domains. <laughs> I don't even want to, it's like, it makes me cringe, you know? It's a serious cost over here. It, no. Yeah, it, it is. It is. But, but you know what? Um, once in a blue moon, you'll have somebody that wants to buy it, you know, and uh, I'm a little bit of a domainer, you know, I can sell this stuff once, then once a in domainer. a while it works. <laughs> That's my Long Island coming out. It'll come out. That was like my kind of first stint into working on my own. And I, and I loved the online marketing aspect. So the, just to answer your question fully, because it was so crazy back then, all you really had to do was put up an image and in the back of the image in the code... All you had to do is write like debt consolidation or like energy or tax exemption like a thousand times through the line, <laughs> through the back of the image, and you would sh- you would you would progress. You would show show line item, yeah. um, and then and then obviously that evolved into Google AdWords, and it got a little you know more competitive, but easier to um, kind of aggregate data. But it was it used to cost us you know a penny a name, and we used to sell it for like twenty dollars. Five different times. Uh, it's and when was this? Um, pretty much my whole young adult life. <laughs> so I would say from like 18 to uh, 20-ish, you know, in that world. I say 24, 25. And I evolved with the trends in the markets. And it was very cyclical. So, you know, these aggressive industries had, you know, short lifespans. Like the mortgage industry, you know, that was a golden era for my type of business. Sure. But the one thing that was missing, and I know we're going to get into it anyway, of like why, you know, how, you know, I, and I like, like I made a shit ton of money. Like I had the car, I had the apartments, I had the dinners, um, I had the bottle service. And I, I, I promise you, I felt completely unfulfilled. Like I spent money, like I hated it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it, mo- it wasn't because I, I, I didn't like the business of aggregating information and the technicality of how to do online marketing and learning that skill set, it was who I was doing business with. Mm. These people were the shittiest people in the world. Just, just, by be, and it made me feel like I was part of them. And like, you are who you hang around with. Right. So now I'm happy to hang out with you guys. I, I changed my life to hang out with you guys. <laughs> so, um, so that was a big impetus by, um, to which I was looking for something different to change my life. I mean, I can really relate to that. I was in, I was a high frequency trader before doing this, and the money was good, but yeah. I wanted to hang out with you and Ari, so you, know, you have to make a decision. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the former lives of yeah. people that do good shit. Not making so much money now, 
but um, you know, good businesses and good de- dealing with good people is is much more important. It's a pretty big shift to what you do now. You know, working with a lot of different companies, obviously, but in a very very different capacity. How did you go from that to the alley? Well, first of all, I I did I I started to do a lot of real estate work, um, and I dealt with a lot of real estate attorneys, commercial real estate. So I, I understood, and, and one thing to get into these businesses, you re, to aggregate the data properly, you really have to understand the business itself. Because I was doing a lot of sales training too. Because if you don't know where the data set came from and how to speak to the person that came to you, you're probably not going to have the most amount of success. And I wanted the salespeople that I was selling these leads to to have success because then they'd come back to me. Mm. So I got very close to a lot of my clients, and especially there was some cool ones. I liked working with some real estate individuals um, one of my favorites that I worked with was this commercial real estate attorney, this guy David Galanter, who's this you know huge six foot eight like Jewish like old school you know just just tell you how it is. He became like a like a kind of like a, a like an older brother you know fatherly figure to me. If I call him a fatherly figure and he sees us, he's gonna he's gonna shoot me in the face. Um, <laughs> but we always wanted to work together, you know. Um, and, and I was looking for something, you know, I was searching and at the time I got into another project, um, where we started to look at how we can optimize the flow of this information in people's offices, like, like CRM solutions. And I met this guy, Jonathan Endy, um, after the real estate crash in 2008, I moved out to Miami. Um, and I met Jonathan Endy, who was very much like me, a serial entrepreneur. He's done a lot of lifestyle businesses. He had a real estate company. And he was also looking for something different, and he believed in tech. Um, I didn't know the first thing about tech other than online marketing, which has its technicalities, but it's not necessarily coding or building applications and so on and so forth. Um, to make a long story short, we really kicked it off, and we were like, I fucking hate my life. Um, he's like, I fucking hate my life. He's like, what do we do together? Um, and we built a technology company. Um, and then we went to pitch it for investment. And we pitched it for investment in about 2010, and we were coming to New York City to pitch for investment because that's where we both were from. Um, and well, we noticed the company. So at the time, it was called Bizoto, um, Business Automation. And now it's called Seamless Docs. We just raised a Series B, which is oh, really cool. Congratulations. Shout out Seamless Docs. Dope. And you're not involved anymore? I'm a co-founder. Oh. But, um, you know, Jonathan took that, you know, and I took Allie. Um, but we noticed that when we were going to pitch this idea, these collaborative spaces is where you went to pitch. And there was about three locations in New York City. There was General Assembly, um, which you guys know, you know, intimately. Um, Newark City, which is right around here, or was right around here, actually, in Canal Street. It was a small freelancer space. And and there was WeWork, um, which we all know what, you know, WeWork did, which was a small space on Varick Street. Um, And when I saw it, it was like this rush of like, holy shit, like this is the future. Like I did have that moment. This is the new boiler room. <laughs> it is. This is the new boiler room. Yeah. I could pack like I can, I can pack a lot of phones scenario. in these places. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but what I loved about it was as I went into these, these um, communities, I saw people were asking me. You know, I was the older person in the room. And they were like, well, what did you do with your life? I'm like, X, Y, D. They're like, well, what do you think of my company? I'm like, well, why don't you try doing this? Don't try to you know, not monetize, sell the data. <laughs> that was my answer to everybody. I'm like, you're getting a lot of data, sell the shit. But like what I, what, what it gave me was a sense of like a passion in helping all these people build their ideas. And I felt that camaraderie and that, and that support. And I also noticed there was nothing like this in Midtown because nobody wanted to work right. in Midtown. Um, and, and, you know, it, an entrepreneur from Long Island or Staten Island, the bridge and tunnel crowd, you know, which I'm, I'm, I'm proudly part of, you know, from my youth and coming to the city. They need a place to work, too. And they're cool. And they're building products and services. And they want to be part of these things. And so I went to David Galanter. And I said, because I'm, you know, this guy, I have no credit, you know, to get, you know, space in a you know, commercial real estate in Manhattan. But David, who we made money together in the past... Um, who believed in me, I said, um, look, I, I, I think this would work in Midtown. And he's like, let's do it. <laughs> I was like, really? We did it. And, uh, and, 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 and it was that moment where it was like we just went, we dove in. And it, it wasn't without its trials and tribulations in the beginning. But, um, but what, what I did find out of the process was 
I knew that I was extremely passionate about helping these people and bringing the right people together. Um, we started hanging out and clients, the line between client and friend really started to dissipate. And I started to notice that this is not square footage. This is not clients that I'm going after. This is a community. And how can I help provide for this community? How can I help my friends, you know, grow? And it was just, it's been that way pretty much ever since. So what what are the plans for the future? Um, Are there going to be more locations? Are you going to, I mean... Well, you did move from the original one. We did. We opened up new space. Yeah, go ahead. So the, I, you, you have a unique opportunity there, obviously. You're surrounded by talent that, and a talent pool that is, is unique and not everyone has access to. So you kind of have like a first look like, oh, these guys are doing mm-hmm. something kind of cool. Um, maybe I want to invest in them. Yeah. So do you have plans, one, to expand other locations, but also to make like an accelerator or an incubator or something? Yeah. So we have invested in many companies. I'm long in startups. <laughs> I'm long in startups. I have, I, have, I, have, I have small investments in, in tons of companies that I believe in that are still around because um, you really get to know these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I learned is you can't do what you're not. You know, as much as it, gla- it gets glamorized, as much as you look at the accelerators like Y Combinator and Techstars, it's like, I'm not that. You know, yes, I like I could build a mentorship program, um, but why do it? Why do it when I could just partner with these accelerators? So we have really good relationships with all the venture capital firms um, on, on and around New York City. Um, we consider ourselves a track into these uh, investment firms and accelerators. Uh, we had three companies this year get into Y Combinator. Oh, wow, I'm super great. proud of that. And, um, you know, we have ties into these uh, organizations where they know us enough to where, you know, we can make suggestions and say, look, I, I, I live with this person. So, so it's not to become these things. It's really to ha- establish better partnerships with the pre-existing organizations that are out there. Um, and then to scale into cities that we feel that need us and to places that need us. Um, so yeah, we, we're, we're going national. We're about to announce. I'm like a week away from signing a big deal to get us into um, different parts of the country. And we're doing that as part of a partnership. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I learned is I'd rather partner than do it all on my own. You know, that's how I scale, you know, other than, you know, creating this closed off infrastructure of just, you know, this this forward momentum. I believe in looking at the world around me as an abundant place where I can go grocery shopping. And where could, you know, the like you said, the talent that I'm tapping into, where can I help them? And who else can they help as part of a partnership? And that's worked out really well. We just announced last week, um, it was in the Wall Street Journal, it was awesome coverage. We partnered with Verizon uh, to take a full space um, in, our, in our headquarters in Chelsea now. It's 15,000 square feet. And we're building a augmented reality, virtual reality studio, which is going to be sick. Um, and they're doing a venture studio with RGA in the, in the space um, and we're launching that. Uh, we just started the build out, so we're we're that's going to be opening up in uh, June, July. Wow, that's you know, fucking ish. awesome! We that should is, we yeah. we definitely want to check that. Yeah, out. Yeah, you will, you will. Um, I no totally totally agree with what you said. I I I was building an app before this, Calvin. And I was kind of I had other people involved, but it was really my baby. There's such a difference between that and having a partnership to run a company. Yeah, it's it's just the benefits are. Uh, you know, it's not even measurable. Yeah. You know, it's not that I would even, I would do, I would have gotten like 10, I think either of us would have gotten like maybe five or 10% of the way there. Yeah. Versus, oh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, you, it's not, it's not linear. Yeah. It's something that I learned a long time ago. It, the partnership aspect, but it's also the team, right? Like, I, we just had a hackathon this weekend with, uh, Anheuser-Busch. Oh, really? And, um, it was a beer hackathon. It was pretty dope. Um, lots of beer. 21 and over. Uh-huh. Full disclosure, 21 and over. Um, but I used to run them myself. And they are a massive undertaking. For those of you who don't know what a hackathon is, it's like a developer challenge to develop some type of rapid prototype uh, for, for, um, for some problem you're trying to solve. And there's so many pieces. There's a marketing piece. There's a run of show piece. There's a presentation piece. It's like its own 
Grammys. You need <laughs> like it's you need crazy. Judges, to... judges yeah. and yeah. developers and all the shit. Food and cleaning and I used to do it myself. And um now I have somebody who just runs all of that. Her name is Amara and she's absolutely amazing. And I just noticed this weekend, like what would I do? I wouldn't you you're not you can't no matter what, and I know this is like this is I'm venturing into your territory big time, but you can't you can't be in one place more than the same time. Like, how can you build something with that the mentality of you just doing it on your own? It just does not make sense. So I've always subscribed to having smarter people around me, having better partners, and not trying to battle the universe. You know, really trying to accept that what I'm not. You yeah. know, so you can take on you know things that will help you um, create those you know, fill in the gaps of your weaknesses. Yeah, a lot of people would probably be in your position though. And, and we find at least with a lot of people that we work with, they're kind of control freaks. So a lot of people would say that. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> we read yeah. each other's minds too. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of people, you're unique because a lot of people would be like, oh, only I can uh, order the pizza for the hackathon. Like someone yeah, else will fuck yeah. it up. But it's like, even if they do, it's not the end of the world, but probably someone else can do it just as good, if not better than you, yeah. and free up your time to work on the national expansion of the alley or yeah. something else yeah. that's more important. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know how many people feel like they, like entrepreneurs who run big companies feel like they're the only person who can book their own travel? Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you, it's really not that hard to tell somebody you like the ILC. Yeah. You know, like it's, 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 we see that all well, the time. Well, he, here's the deal like, I'm way too lazy. Like seriously, like it's it's actually been my biggest asset is my laziness because I start to look at, am I gonna do this? Could I do it a little bit better because I'm intimately involved? Maybe, probably not. But especially because I'm lazy and because I got other shit to do. But you can't build a business on your own. You just can't do it unless you want to be like. The, and, and obviously there are there. No, no I know, agree with you. It's to say you can own your own job, but you, I don't think you can build a business by yourself. Nothing nothing that's going to be that much impact, I really don't believe. I mean, you know, you look at things like did Steve Jobs, was he the only person that worked at Apple? He had Wozniak. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Everybody needs a Wozniak. That's right. Big fat guy with a beard. Yeah. Okay. I want a I'll big fat guy with a beard. <laughs> I want a big. Where's my big fat guy with a beard? Uh, so, are there particular industries or or sectors that you that like interest you more than others, especially right now? Yeah, well, VR yeah, in New um, York City. I mean, well, it's it's not just that it's like a hot topic right now. It's that I truly believe the city the city just came out with a six million dollar RFP uh, to support a VR ecosystem in New York City. Right? Really? The NYC EDC. They're making a huge play to be the massive technology sector in VR because there's a lot of people that really feel like VR is the future. I don't think it's – and personally, I'm not a technologist. I'm only one person. You've heard my experiences. I'm not, you know, any type of genius whatsoever. But in my experience and what I think about VR is it's not the future, but it's definitely part of the future. Um, and I, I, be- I, I believe in it. And I'm a, I, and I'm a marketer, you know, at, by trade. Like, that, that's what I do. Yeah. So VR is hot right now. So we're in VR. And, and, well, and so what, what are the, some of the cooler applications you see for VR then? Well, from a personal level, um, I, I, I'm not the biggest gamer. But have you tried to game in a VR system? No. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, it's like, what the hell am I doing right now? Like, I'm a Jedi. Like, I'm a motherfucking Jedi. Like, this is my fucking lifesaver. That's the name of this episode, like, this by the way. Dope. I'm a motherfucking Jedi. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, but from a, like, just a, a techno- technological breakthrough perspective and what you can do with VR, I mean, they're developing applications where you can learn medical apparatuses and how to... Um, do certain medical yeah. procedures without, you know, even type of, any type of testing on any type of animal and so on and so forth. Um, learning how to, you know, put together a, 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 a spaceship, you know, without actually uh, going through the billions of dollars of tools it takes to, you know, do it. So um, there's so many practical applications that VR is coming out of. But I urge everyone, if they haven't tried that Vive system, it's What's like, that? so it's HTC Vibe. Okay. It's sick. So we have a 
uh, VR Arcade at Alley. We just launched it last week. You guys have to come back and uh, check yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah. HTC Vibe? HTC Vive. Vive, yeah, I see. Yeah. And um, it's the sickest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, I, and, I, and by the way, oh, VR oh. is like this buzzword right now. And they're like, everyone's like, VR, VR, VR. And I was like, all right, I'm into it because it's a trend and I know it attracts people and we're going to do right. this VR studio. But then you put the fucking thing on. And you're like, holy shit, I'm in, I'm in the ocean <laughs> with a whale smiling at me. And it looks real. Wow. And you're playing Angry Birds. By like you're catapulting the bird I'm with your hand. This oh, looks awesome. Knockout league. So, that's what so I want. So you have this yeah. at the, at the yeah. office? Yeah. I want a box and yeah. Yeah, it's not that expensive. It's what eight hundred dollars. It is. It is. And it's but like I caution. Like we we literally Holy have to shit. caution people that work in the space. Like watch your time wisely because you won't you, get you, anything done. Oh my god, the imagery is amazing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It feels real. So so so. So what's the future of that? <laughs> You know, so, what's the future of a virtual, you know, reality that you can do anything you want to do in and it, you, it doesn't require right, any We're coming in next equipment. month to try this out. <laughs> Done. Yeah, for sure. Oh get, my God. get the whiskey ready. Done. <laughs> you know, and also you mentioned whiskey, but you, and we talk about different types of technologies and trends. You know, working with Anheuser-Busch, um, who's one of our partners, has been a really, AB InBev, it's been a really um, enlightening experience around what's going on in the beverage world. Not just from a, and I know this is tr- true to what what you speak about, um, but from a um, from a data and a health perspective, from learning about nu- nutrients and things like that. How conscious, and obviously, you know, you're talking about one of the largest beverage companies in the world, but there is there there's so much need to make things better. You yeah, know, now they around have ra- raspberry Bud Light. <laughs> and that's gonna fucking change the world. <laughs> Raspberry Bud Light. So, are there some? Uh, are there any startups in uh, the alley right now that you want to talk about that are that are exciting? Um, let me think about this for one second. How many are there? There's a lot. That's yeah. why we have about 400 companies now. So oh, wow. in that one space? No, that one space we have because we still have 507th Avenue. Oh, you do? Okay, all right. We have an accelerator in 507th Avenue. Um, we opened up the NYU space. Uh, oh, which you're, is you're in NYU at the Leslie Lab? No, we're at Steinhardt. We built our own space. Really? Yeah, yeah. We we built space inside Steinhardt. We should work there sometimes. I live yeah. right around the corner from there. It's cool. It's not like a full blown alley because yeah. we had to deal with the you know restrictions of an existing build out infrastructure. But we're running a um, we're uh, we're hosting a startup accelerator called StartEd, and it's all about education technology. Cool. So EdTech. Um, Mostly students happening. at NYU, or no? It's outside. It's outside. it's a class, and students can go in and you know hang out and stuff. You know, we made it like loungy. You know, it's dope. But but okay. so so how many companies are there? There's like four hundred. Four hundred. But then, but but if then... I if like just thinking, you know, through um, what I'm excited about, here's the thing. Like, I and I, I I'm going to give a really negative statement followed up by a positive one. Like, I've seen thousands and thousands of companies come through our space, and with my interactions with Techstars, you know, which I'm a mentor for, and all these other companies that, you know, I I interact with, I haven't seen one uberly successful company come out. You know, for those of you, I've been there, I haven't seen a unicorn. You know, have you? Do you know anybody that's built a unicorn? No. Personally? Mm -mm. There's how many unicorns? 150? Are there that many? If that. Yeah. My point is, like, if anybody's listening to this trying to build a unicorn, don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a lottery ticket. Right. Um, and build something sustainable. So what I do see that and I, I love. And, and how would you define a unicorn? Like a company that says billion. that's worth more than a billion? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, something that's like, really? <laughs> like my, my competitor in certain ways. WeWork is arguably their last valuation, not arguably, their last valuation $17 billion. Yeah. Well, I guess the only unicorn that we know is the General Assembly guys. That's not a unicorn. They're not, they're, they're, not not, they're not a billion? No way. No. No. Very, very, very successful. Um, very, very, got a very huge valuation. But the good things that I do see coming out of that is my space costs a lot of money, especially our Chelsea location. And you have to make money to be able to be there. And what you see, the type of companies um, that, 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 that are in our space, they make positive revenue. And these aren't the most sexiest companies in the world. You're talking about um, companies that 
are just practical applications that are for old school types of industries. There's a company called Partender that helps um, inventory management for alcohol and, and different, um, different beverages. They make money, you know, and it's not Facebook. It's not Snapchat, you know. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, you know. As long as you can make money. I think lifestyle businesses get a horrible rap. Like people say lifestyle businesses and they're like, ugh. I have a lifestyle business that make dope. You build something out of nothing and you can self-sustain yourself. That's fucking awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? So there you're, are, speaking, there, you're speaking my jam right now. Yeah, <laughs> Calvin, are. I was like, all right, well, if I get like 10 million users, all the data is going to be worth so much. It's going to be a billion dollars. Now, I, you know, I don't give a fuck to have yeah. 10 million. You know, you don't, if, you, if you don't need 10 million users, like if we have 1,000 yeah. paying a monthly subscription, it's a good business. Yeah. So there, there are eighty-two unicorns. Okay, my bad. I was so overstating something. That's the thing. <laughs> no, eighty-two. Even, even more to your point. Yeah. So why the fuck would you be trying to create that? And and then and then I love it when you know aspiring entrepreneurs come and say, "Oh, that's there's that's too competitive of a space." Yeah. The reason why it's competitive is because it's been validated. Right. And there's money to be made. Everybody always says that, you know, oh, you upset. There's co-working spaces all over. I'm like, no, I'm like, that's because it's a, it's a good business. And there's always going to be companies that try to emulate good businesses. And it forces you to create a better business, to innovate around it, to come up with a better product. And inevitably, who's going to get a better, who, who, who is it going to help is the customer is going to get a much better product out of it, yeah. which I'm all for. For sure. I mean, like, if you find something that people will pay you $10 a month for and you get 1,000 people, you don't need a million, you're making 120 grand a year. And, and, and that is a hurdle all in itself. You're in yeah. the, 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 the small, small and, percentages to even have that happen. So. And, that, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's easy to get 1,000 people to pay you 10 a month, but that is success. And you don't have to go and raise money. I mean, you could have a very nice income that's sustainable yep. and have your own thing and mm -hmm. no one will know about you. You're not going to be, you know, on stage at yeah. TechCrunch and stuff talking about it, but yeah. maybe you will. But even if you're not like that, that's cool to me. Like I'm, yeah. I, I find that much cooler than a lot of these people. Oh, I just raised $3 million and it's yeah. like, I'm going to oh. monetize it in seven, it's, years, it's seven <laughs> years. It's the worst thing. Like that's the one yeah. thing. If you ask me what is my biggest pet peeve, it's like when somebody gets into one of these accelerators or, or raises a round they're like the biggest swinging dick in the room. Anybody – and it's like it's like all of a sudden like they are – that's the validation. Like, right. dude, you just took out a fucking loan. Yeah. Or are you the, kidding me? The more people tell like, me they raised – Oh, we raised we raised $5 million at a $20 million valuation. It's yeah. like good for you. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean great, you know, yeah. but you're not – you don't know if you, that – you're you're in survival mode. You just have you know a, a, yeah. a life jacket now. I mean, which is good. I mean, look, there's reason for celebration around all this, but you can't. You're not. You haven't created the ultimate success until you create a sustainable business and you're out of survival mode. And you can make you and those around you something sustainable where they can feed their families and 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 can't have a good product to offer. Uh, and we, I think, speaking for the both, I think we've. We found very few. I think the alley is a, is an exception to this because you, you know you you need money for the real estate. To, I mean, sucks so bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. so aside from something like that, which clearly you do need to raise money, like there's so few companies that we come across where they actually needed how, how as much as they raised, and it was just putting kind of like a bandaid on a bigger issue. Yeah, and there was cheaper. Yeah. Cheaper and more clever and more direct ways of testing and validating that they would have been better served than throwing, you know, you raise a million. Oh, yeah, I put 200 grand into Facebook ads. Oh, but it's like, yeah, you don't have any, you don't no validation you don't, right. at all. Like you, you would have been better. Not even the money. It's like you just wasted your time. But and also, though, people have to realize. So I didn't even tell you about this because you were away. I had a meeting this past week with a friend of a friend who's doing an acupuncture clinic right? mm -hmm. so very brick and mortar kind of business and mm -hmm. she has a different take on it though and she wants to do like a membership thing so like a subscription to it where you can go in and do it and she's looking at raising money and i was like why don't you have an event and try to pre-sell 
you know, yeah. some annual memberships. Mm-hmm. Go, go like, to mm-hmm. sign up for the Bulletproof Conference it, and give acupuncture at like the Bulletproof or any right. So I was like, you can validate this so much easier. Pre-sell and it. Pre-sell. Yeah. Pre-sell it before you even launch. Instead of ten dollars yeah. a month, do it for seven. Yeah. And try to raise money like that, like yeah, yeah, and it, 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 but that's so, a brick and mortar business, and it works. The vanity metric system is so fucked up right now, because that's just the way it is. It's like these kids that are looking at projects today. They're like, "All right, I create a product, I go get funding." Right. It's like those are the levels of success. They're not like I create a product. Well, that's I the sell Shark Tank. That's money. almost like the Shark Tank model, except that you do have to have some validation for Shark Tank. Yeah, for sure. But it's it, it's it's definitely sickening. I'm so sick of it. I hate. And by the way, raising money sucks. There's nothing fun about fundraising. You give up a piece of your soul, something that's so beautiful that you believe in. Look, I believe in. I don't believe I'm just selling desks. I believe in putting the right people together. I'm 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 creating meaningful relationships, sustainable relationships. All of our programming is around building these opportunities for people to collaborate with one another. That's no joke. I want to connect the world. That's my my passion right now. That's that comes from my soul, my heart. But we sell desks, yeah. right? So I get in a room with an investor and I'll be like, I want to connect the world together and they're like, fucking just sell desks. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like you give up a piece of your yeah. passion, of your soul every time you go into these meetings. And by the way, then you have to make it work. Right when you take this money, that's when you have to go. You have to pay it back. And it's a time suck. I mean, how much time is spent going from one investor to the next and tweaking, fi- tweaking pitch decks and, re- and practicing Ugh. your pitch and yeah. and the whole thing. I mean, I'm getting anxiety thinking I need that booze. Where's uh, our booze? Honestly, <laughs> we, part of our success, I think, is that we saved all that time of going in. Trying to raise money. It's a uh, huge yeah. time suck. How many, how, like, just a rough percentage, how many companies that are in the alley do you think are self-funded? I think st- all, a lot of the seed funding is self-funded, uh, but I do, but there are traditional rounds of funding for most of the companies that are in the space. Really? Yeah. How many have fully bootstrapped and not either invested their own money or raised money from other investors? I don't know. That's a very good question. I, I, if I had to take a wild stab at it, I'd probably say, like, 10 to 20%. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, you have maybe. the lean startup guys in your, they're there. Yeah, well, they they started yeah. lean startup in the space, yeah. which is really yeah. But look, um, culturally speaking, you know, you really have to adapt that. Like people use lean startup like it's like a check. You're checking the right, boxes right. now. Oh yeah, I validate. I asked people. <laughs> I asked everyone. A thousand people said they wanted to do this. It's just a mindset. It's not a checklist. Yeah, uh, you go make money. Like go do it until you make money. Um, but there are, and those are the, by the way, those are the ones we've invested in. You know, you asked me earlier, like, you know, do you invest in the companies? I mean, that's my metric. You know, is this person raising money just to raise money? Do they want to stand up at a meet in TechCrunch, you know, uh, at Disrupt or whatever and, and speak on stage? Or do they want to make money, you know? And, and do they know how to make money? I mean, fuck that. Do you know how to make money? You know, yeah, maybe you know how to build a website, but you don't even know how to make money? How do you know how to make money? Oh, because uh, I got tw- 100,000 emails. Well, how much money did you make? You know, so these are the type of companies that we, we, we tend to invest in. We see the traction right away, and we see what type of people they are that are building the businesses. So, Well, and so the last question that we always like to ask – actually, we, we will ask that. But bef- the last question we always ask is what are your top three pieces of advice to be more effective? But before you answer that, actually, I want to hear My top more- what? Three pieces of advice to be more effective. Okay. But before that, I want to hear what are your top three pieces of advice for entrepreneurs? Like basically what don't – what shouldn't they do? Ay, gavolt. There's more than three. This will take a while. But I'll – no. But I talk about this a lot. So number one, I like – just because we're on the topic, don't – and I'm I'm just going to go with this theme right now. Like don't raise too much money. Raise what you have to raise. Make money. That's the ultimate validation. If somebody's willing to pay for your products, there's value. And you created value. Um, if you need to raise money, look, I need to raise millions and millions of dollars. I have real estate. You know, I can't, there's no, I, it's chicken and egg. I can't have clients until I have the real estate. Um, so if it's situations like that, completely understandable. But don't raise too much just because it's a vanity thing. Right. That press shit's going to be over soon. That bubble is going to burst. The only companies that are going to survive are the ones that are making money. Um, secondly, like, don't be afraid to get into competitive markets. You know, there's this really, there's this really like um, uh, ongoing theme of, oh, I have to be the first one to be there. 
You know, like Peter Thiel's book. Yeah, I love this guy. Here's a guy who sits on top of a fucking mountain and says to a million gazillion people, don't do competitive things. Build something different. Meanwhile, there's 80 fucking unicorns. There's all these people that aspire to be something, <laughs> and they're fighting all in the same thing. And it's easy to say that when he's sitting on his ivory tower, he can pluck out the one that comes out. Right. But do you want to be one in 100 million? But look at competitive markets. And look at those competitive markets very seriously because the reason why they're competitive is because they make money. Nobody would waste their fucking time if there wasn't any money to be made. And do it better. Um, yep. Secondly, I think the, there's a passion problem. Everyone these days are like, I don't. I want to do something I'm passionate about. You know, I want to do something I'm completely. I I I I want to. I want to f- save the whales because I'm passionate about it. You know, but I don't think you can ever find that passion until you're deeply involved with something. So I think when you're first starting out, try everything, and the passion you find within the skill sets you gain around it. You know, there's a really good book. That book I'm sure you've read it. So good you can't ignore. So good they can't ignore yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they talk about. Um, somebody being passionate about working in a pencil factory, you know, and it gets a tremendous amount of passion behind building pencils and so on and so forth. So, so don't just look at it from a, 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 a helicopter view and say, this is so sexy. I want to be part of it. Because the truth of the matter is it's probably not that fucking sexy. Right. You know, it always looks better from the outside perspective. Once you get in, it's not. So those are the three things that are on my mind this morning. <laughs> yeah. And I, no, and I think that's a really, really good point actually is that they do it. I don't. It, I mean, obviously, I think that entrepreneurs, a lot of them, have a, an inherent competitiveness to them. There's always going to be some ego involvement, no matter who mm. you are and how you can sort of organize that. But yeah, I do think that there is that issue where people there's the vanity and there's the sexiness factor, right? Mm. And it's like it's okay to be really, really good at payroll processing if that's what you do and you're really awesome at it and you do it in a new way. Uh, you're right? hired. Right. I need yeah. you right now. But nobody's going to say like, "Oh, I'm in the payroll business." Like, yeah. That's sexy. Yeah. But and that's. It's okay. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of people think right now that artificial intelligence, machine learning, and NLP are really sexy. And so they'll attach that to anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're we're buying uh, gifts for people and we're using artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're buying gifts. And it might be nicer (laughs) if you do it on your own. Yeah. (laughs) One thing I used to hear with Calvin is like, well, what's to stop uh, Apple from just knocking this off? Uh, That was like the worst question that everyone, it's like, what what incentive do they – I'm not worried about that. Like I'm just going to do a better one. They're a huge organization. In a lot of sure. cases, they're going to move way slower. Of course. Uh, on some weird random project that they, it's not their core business. So I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> hey, no, if, they rip you off, that, if they rip you off, that's amazing. Apple's competition busy. is a good thing. It's proving you, – you, you skip all of that shit about proving that you're solving a problem that's not a worthy problem to solve. If it's already – out there, but you found a tweak on it that's unique. Yeah, you've you've saved yourself a lot of hassle validating uh, validating that you're solving a problem we're solving. Exactly. Right. Don't, don't go be the best underwater welder. You know, like because yeah, there's, yeah, because yeah. there's nobody in that yeah, space really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not really a sustainable career. So I, yeah, yeah. Well, so now the last question, which are on the positive side, what are your top three pieces of advice for people, not necessarily entrepreneurs, but people in general, to be more effective? And you can interpret that however you like. Use your service. Okay. That's number one. Which is called what? <laughs> Get Leverage. Yeah. GetLeverage.com. Yeah, That's support. what's up. We're called Leverage. So so I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of understanding my weaknesses. You know, I, I really, I don't like to, I'm, I th- I'm very introspective and you, I, you have to be because you have to tell yourself what can I, what can I do and what can I do? And to that end on that, um, getting people around you that are smarter than you at certain things ha- is, is, is the ultimate advice I give because I could, I wouldn't be able to do anything if it wasn't for the people that were around me. I'm just, everybody sees me out there. You know, doing the Wall Street Journal articles and doing the Bloomberg pieces and doing this and that. I'm just a messenger for all the people that are working their asses off that believe in the vision of what we're doing overall. And I wouldn't ever be able to have that if it wasn't for the team that that was around me that are able to execute. So find people around you that believe in the same things that you believe in. Um, Maybe not the same way. You're going to have your arguments. But they, 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 they have to have that. You have to know that they're smarter than you. You can't do it all on your own. Um, and then, it, 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 like I said before about partnerships, like why do you have to become everything? You know, why do you have to – I always – like 
Why? Because sometimes you're competing with yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're taking on projects that, you know, you're never going to be better than the person that's out there. And also you could unify yourself with that. So to scale, um, and this is mostly catered towards business. I know we're talking about personal stuff. No, 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 no. You partner. Uh, of course. You partner like and, – and, and you could partner with – you know, it goes into that first statement I made about, you know, understanding your weaknesses. As far as partnerships go, it's the same way. Like what is my business lacking right now? take me five years to build this type of technology or do I partner with the existing technology and so on and so forth. They're still the right partners. And around that, both of those topics, um, I think you also have to, uh, and this is something I keep teaching myself over and over again, you have to like, you have to love who you're working with. You know, you have to respect them. And I'm not saying that, and you guys probably know this already, I'm not saying that that hugging every day, like, you know, you, but you can't put yourself in a position where you feel like you're you're stunting your your creativity. You know, you have to be in an environment where you respect one another enough where that creativity flows. I've been in situations before with partners, with investors, and with team members where I couldn't speak myself. I couldn't be myself. Um, and that's – you have to stop that right away because it's so hard to build something out of nothing. You have to ha- – that creative process has to flow. So you have to be around people that – you feel like you can open up your, your creative mind around and you can collaborate with. Um, those, are, th- those are the biggest pieces. And then, and then the last piece is using use technology. You know, I'm not saying it because it's sexy. I'm saying it because it's real. There's so much technology out there these days that helps you build your business better. Uh, you mentioned when we were talking last time when you were in MySpace using Asana and things like that. You know, we use Asana. We use Trello. Um, making sure you're using all these systems. Um, and I'm going to add one more you know, to this. Um, and I did an interview with Biz Stone, an entrepreneur, and he's like an unbelievable dude, um, one of the founders of Twitter, you know, blogger he created. Biz Stone or is that Ev Williams that created Blogger? Well, whatever the case is, he said you have to leave time for yourself. And the only way you could possibly leave time for yourself is if you book it on your calendar. So I, I don't know if you do. I book yeah, my no. private time on my calendar, Absolutely. you know, letting me know, like, this is my time to do this, you know, for those around us, for loved ones and so on and so forth. We, so. we only let people get into our calendars on a couple of days of the week and we, we kind of block off full days. Well, I'm happy to be part of your calendar today, guys. <laughs> this is awesome. Those... Yeah, well, thank you for coming in. This was a great conversation. Is there anything in particular you want to, like, send people to to look at or any websites or anything? Um, if anybody's in New York City, um, come check out our space. You know, if you haven't heard of it, it's at youralley.com. You'll meet some really amazing people. We have events all the time. Tonight we have a Be Bold event celebrating women entrepreneurship in partnership with Verizon Partners. Awesome. Um, and come check it out. So for anybody listening live on Facebook, you can check it out tonight. And otherwise, check out The Alley if you're in New York City. And thank you so much, Jason. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week. 